Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another episode of an Evolved Review. I'm your host, James Caleb Kitchens, and I am joined each and every week right here from the Stovall Wrestling Network. Caleb Stovall, how's it going, man? Hey, what's going on, man? You know, just uh, I recently came back from the beach and stuff like that, so. Yeah, lucky, dude. I mean, you know, it's, uh, I, I hopefully got a beach trip planned later on this summer. I'm yeah, also, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I'm also hoping that one day my beard will look as good in real life as it does in our, uh, you know, logo there. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you should mention that too, because uh, the hat right there, I just always wear this AEW hat and I never intended for that to happen. But since he drew it in the uh, logo, I was just like, well, I feel it's, so my gimmick. <laughs> it, it's become a staple now. I have, uh, I have, I, I'm always wearing wrestling t-shirts. This is actually, so this is the, um, um, uh, lethal enforcers, uh, Aladdin, oh. Aladdin shirt. Um, I'm, I met up with Anthony Henry and Amber Young over the weekend and, uh, and they gave me this, which was amazing. So, uh, oh, awesome. huge kudos to them for that. Um, that being said, uh, we have some interesting stuff going on. Uh, in the world of professional wrestling right now, uh, but uh, we are still covering Dark Side of the Ring, and today we are going to talk about the famous uh, slap heard around the world uh, with uh, Doctor D. David Schultz. Yep. What do you? What do you? Uh, so, what's your like overall thoughts in this episode? You know what? Were you familiar with the incident before you watched this, or or how did it really go for you? Uh, actually, no, not really. I was, I was not familiar with this at all. Um, I thought, you know, when the business got exposed or whatnot, um, I thought it was on like an NBC type special that, uh, that I remember seeing as a kid, um, around 99, nine, maybe around 98, 99, I think. Um, but I remember seeing that, but I never heard of this slap heard around the world of like a reporter, but I've heard of stories now where reporters or media of any kind outside of wrestling that ask a wrestler, you know, is wrestling fake and wrestlers would, you know, slap them. I didn't really know that that's kind of where this really started. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I was kind of familiar with the, you know, the, the special, uh, that John Stossel did, uh, but I wasn't really familiar with David Schultz and how he kind of played into all of it. So it was pretty interesting to learn about him. Um, you know, as we kind of talked about off mic a little bit, uh, a lot really went into Vince McMahon kind of burying the legacy of uh, David Schultz. I mean, he's kind of been removed from just about everything. You never see him in any highlight videos. He definitely isn't showing up for random, you know, hey, this guy used to work here, appearances on Monday Night Raw or anything like that. Um, he's kind of been uh, Benoit in a way, even though he didn't really do anything, you know, to to deserve that level of erasure from the, the history of WWE, especially as, as, as talented as he was. Yeah, I, I didn't even know that he worked – for WWE that was why it was that's probably why I never really heard this slap heard around the world thing like I never even I've I've never seen him in any video archives uh on the WWE network I don't even think you can search his name to be quite honest I haven't really even heard of him like spoke on podcasts of wrestling right like I I I never heard uh, this and, and something else I didn't know about. I didn't really know about the John Stossel uh, report. I didn't know that that's when, you know, they really tried to expose the business or did expose it, I guess, uh, in ways. But it's like, yeah, I didn't know that any of this happened. And, you know, if I don't know something happened in wrestling, then you know that like, oh, shit, then they really buried him. <laughs> I mean, the funny thing is, you know, a lot of people attribute like the loss of you know, uh, people upholding kayfabe. A lot of people attribute like the decline in wrestling's popularity to that. But if you look at it, the the highest point of wrestling's popularity wasn't in the eighties. It was in the late nineties. Uh, and even a little bit in the early two thousands, you know, what we would call the attitude era. That's Absolutely. when, yeah, that's when 
The Rock, Stone Cold, Mankind, Undertaker, Goldberg. I mean, Hollywood Hogan, the NWO, you just go on and on. These were all household names. Um, everybody knew who that was. I can remember, you know, kids now talk about being bullied for liking wrestling. Uh, whereas, like, you know, that happened a little bit to me in high school. But when I was in, like, middle school, man, everybody watched wrestling. Yeah, they did because it was it was at an all-time high. The Monday Night Wars changed the face of wrestling forever. And it's a time that we will never see again by any means. But it, 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 that was when wrestling was at its all-time high because you had just these the two popular companies. And everyone pretty much knew by then that the business, you know, was a work and everything like that. But it didn't matter. Everyone just loved the stories that were being told. They fell in love with the characters, especially Stone Cold Steve Austin, like you mentioned, The Rock, you know, Triple H, uh, the NWO. That's just it's just when everything was just different about it. And nobody cared that it was staged. That 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 was a move point, if you really think about it. Right. We you you were there to be entertained and to see what exactly. happened next in the storyline. I, and I can remember, I, I had a couple of friends, you know, we talk about this all the time, that we were both, you know, WCW guys growing up. And I had a couple of friends that were WWF guys. And what we would do is on Tuesday, we'd get to school, and they would tell me everything that happened on WWF. And I would tell them everything that happened on WCW. And um, Raw always seemed like it was shittier than Nitro to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, they would be like, I, I'd be like, yeah, man, the NWO came out, and like they jumped these guys, and like DDP saved him and then like Kurt Henning attacked him. And then, and then they'd be like, yeah, man, like Kane hit some dude with like a fireball or whatever. I'd be like that. Uh, I, okay. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, man. You know, I, I might have to, you know, cause I went, I, I went, you know, I went back and I've watched, you know, a lot of the 98 Raws and I'm, I still haven't even finished them really all, but like, there's been some that I have seen that was some of the best stuff I've seen on a wrestling show, uh, vice versa with Nitro, you know, even in, you know, and everyone talks about 98 as kind of their down year. But if you look at it, 98 was when WCW was at its highest and they still were producing great Nitros, even though they were three hours long. Yeah. Um, they were doing amazing stuff. I mean, up until 99, is when the decline really happened and that's and that's when so many people were jumping ship and, and you know this has been talked you know about to death uh you know as far as like what ultimately caused the downfall of wcw but you know a lot of people talk about like okay goldberg's the only guy they ever made quote unquote um ddp uh, is an argument for a close second right um but you know they didn't give him the strap until it was way too late um, right they didn't give, they didn't know how to handle the end of the streak. I mean, the whole idea of the streak ending is like whoever ended that. It was just like the Undertaker's WrestleMania streak. It was like whoever ends this, they have to be the next thing. Like they have, you know, the next big thing. They have to be that. And um, they, I mean, the way that they ended it, it didn't put anybody over. You know, they had Scott Hall come in with the the taser or whatever and. You know, and it was just, it didn't put anybody over. It was just a way to appease Kevin Nash, I think. To an extent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, th th there's a bunch of, you know, stuff that goes into that. I've always said that the guy that should have ended Goldberg's streak was DDP. Yeah. That, uh, Halloween Havoc. That, or they could have done it at Starcade as well, like, like ended the year with that. And it would have made him, it would have, it would have made for this, you know, interesting story going into 99 and stuff like that. But hey, that's not what happened. And the same can be said with Dr. D, uh, David Schultz as well, because, you know, he, he probably had a lot of opportunities that he could have had in WWE, but then this slap just for some reason ruined his career. And they even started off in the episode by saying that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought us back around to the topic at hand, because uh, you know me, if you get me started to talk about Diamond Dallas Page, we'll be here all night. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was kind of similar to this, where 
you know, so we talk about uh, his him upholding kayfabe and and kind of the way he was trained um, by uh, Herb Welsh um, would really, you know, kind of feed into that. They talk about him training in a barn. And, and you know, back in this era, the, it wasn't like today where you go to wrestling training and they're like, all right, yeah, you're going to take some bumps and we're going to teach you this and we're going to teach you this. And it's no, it was we're going to see if you're tough enough to be in this business. Um, you know, we're going to see it. We're going to stretch you. We're going to see if you can wrestle, if you are actually, you know, worthy of being here in this business. And I think he mentions here that it was either three or six months um, before they sat him down and said, hey, okay, well, all right, you know, you've been beating the shit out of our wrestlers, <laughs> you know, so let's, let's, let's smarten you up as uh, Jim Cornette likes to put it. Yeah. Um, I, like I noticed that and actually, like, I think he said three months um, because, you know, it, it would, the normal weight would be either six months or, you know, an entire year or something like that. But Dr. D David Schultz was all already, you know, showing that he wanted to be there, that he was a legit tough guy. And so rather, you know, sooner than later, it seemed like it, it was like, okay, you know, um, let's let's smarten him up because obviously he wants to be here and you know he'll he'll make a great wrestler here was the thing too about his training that i heard from uh you know the historian himself jim Cornette. um i i love the story that he told of herb welch would take a dump in his bag you know literally (laughs) his bag and would rub it on his armpit and w- then would just grind on the guy with a headlock. And I'm sitting there going, oh, dear God. Like, like <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of that in my life. And I don't think I, I'm so glad um, I did not try to get into wrestling at one point um, when that happened. <laughs> You know, I I have a a somewhat similar story. It's not nearly as bad, but uh, when I was coming up, uh, we had a a pretty small, like, locker room, and, well, you've been in there. It's actually, uh, it was at Patriots Park, you know, that that area where the bathroom is. That used to be our locker room back in the day. Right. And as you know, it's not very big. I mean, there's there's a bench where maybe, like, five, six people could sit down, and then there's a couple showers and a couple of stalls, and that's the whole place. Right. And, uh, you know, we kind of had to take turns like you pretty much only were in there if you were changing or, you know, whatever or going over your match, maybe. Right. Well, uh, one of the one of the uh, kind of veterans on the show made it a point to like a few hours before showtime, like right before everybody would get there. He would go in there and just take a, a massive shit. I, I think he was saving it up all week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I. I'm not going to say who it is, but uh, it used to happen, and anybody that was there can back me up on this. So, similar, but there was no rubbing the feces on themselves, which is, I mean, way, way beyond. Wait, he would just he would just take a shit in, in, in the bathroom or something? Well, yeah, but it's all one open room, so like it would just smell horrible in there oh, while everybody was changing. <laughs> Uh, oh god oh that's that's horrible but nothing yeah. to the degree of rubbing it on your armpits no <laughs> like, that's that's where it stops being a rib and that's just disgusting yeah yeah um so yeah i mean that uh, you know a lot of his kind of upbringing from a wrestling standpoint really fuels into who David Schultz is as a performer, because this is a lot of the reason why kayfabe was so important to him. I mean, even Hogan, you know, he, he famously tells the story, which I don't even know if I believe that shit, but he tells a story about them breaking his leg his first day in the gym, uh, training for wrestling. And, and then him coming back after that and him kind of earning those guys respect. I don't know if I believe the story or not, but it's kind of that similar, idea of he was brought up to protect the business unless you were behind closed doors with only other members of this secret society of wrestling you i mean you were your character you were the gimmick at all times 
Right. You didn't play wrestler, as they said. Right. Or as they say today, uh, kind of thing. Um, like, because you can tell Dr. D, David Schultz, he didn't play wrestler. Like, like, like that wasn't acting. Right. He was a legitimate tough guy. Yes. And there's, there's very few of those in our business anymore. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. A lot of people, you know, I know a lot of locker room veterans that will come in and say, oh, you know, wrestling in my day used to be a bunch of bikers and bodybuilders and tough guys, and now it's a bunch of nerds and shit. I mean, and that <laughs> happens. I mean, that, that I've heard that a thousand times, and I mean, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but it, there is a notable difference of, you know, in, in today's wrestling world, there are very few legitimate tough guys out there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just look at the reason Stone Cold Steve Austin became so popular. Right. I mean, when he found the Stone Cold gimmick, he was a walking, talking badass. Like, everyone was just like, okay, I should not mess with that guy. Same thing with The Undertaker. I mean, even the, though The Undertaker, you know, has one of those gimmicks where it's very easy to, you know, be an actor and, and that kind of thing. He didn't do that. He legit became the Undertaker, and it was and it was like when he was the Undertaker, you felt his presence, and that's what I got a lot with uh, Schultz in this. Like when I saw the interviews that he cut, and and the promos, and even the you know video that he did with WWE with his you know family, you know uh, that that they had him with. I saw that and I just went, oh, my God, like this guy is amazing. He has charisma, natural charisma. He he was a natural heel. He, he, he was what, you know, Dusty Rose would be like, he's a natural baby. Like, like he he was a he was amazing looking. And it sucks that he wasn't able to get a bigger spotlight than he did. Right. I mean, I, I'm going to paraphrase uh, James Drake here. And, you know, and, and one of the things he says is, I can't make you believe that wrestling is real, but I can make you believe that I am real. And that is one of the things that, that was about David Schultz was, it, it didn't, I mean, you might have had your doubts, but you weren't going to have your doubts about him because he was the real deal. He would, yeah. as as we see, slap the shit out of you. Yeah, but I and, and and I understand that saying completely because I believe um, Stone Cold Steve Austin's even said stuff like that. You know, like like you know, I, I can't make you believe that wrestling is real, but when you look at me, you're gonna go, okay, well that guy's real. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's it it's a scenario where I mean, in this case, it was you know, a recipe for disaster. And I think Vincent Mann maybe knew that going into this. Um, you know, so let's talk about how he gets into WWF at all. We kind of jumped ahead of ourselves a little there. Um, right. Because it, it had to do with Hogan. And I definitely, throughout this episode, you can tell that there's definitely some huge resentment towards Hogan, um, you know, uh, from Schultz. Because they oh, were yeah. friends. They had great chemistry. Hogan had him brought up. And, you know, I'm sure that it was presented as, oh, yeah, this is a great way for you to be in the WWF. But what it really ended up being is he was kind of like this big tough guy, but they wanted him to kind of be talent enhancement for Hogan. Yeah, uh, you know, Hogan needed opponents and stuff like that, especially like if you're going to groom him to be, you know, the biggest baby face of all time. Uh, you have to have a villain. You have to have opponents and stuff like that. And that's not necessarily a bad job to have because that means you have a little bit of longevity then in this sport, you know, like you, like you might not be in the spotlight or like, you know, pushed as far hard as Hogan was, but you at least know that like, Hey, I can make other people. So then they need me to make those guys. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, so as we kind of go into it a little bit more, uh, you know, you noted earlier that Jim Cornette is like the only person here that is a speaker that wasn't directly involved. And that's not something I picked up on. Uh, and, and I think that that is, you know, that does kind of speak highly of Jim Cornette. 
that he's that much of a historian that something he was completely <laughs> removed from, he can still tell you all the details about. Yeah, absolutely, because he didn't work for WWE at this time. He wouldn't come into WWE until uh, 95 or 96, one of the two. Um, but I know that he came in around that time. But he was, you know, he was around Crockett around this time or any of the other territories that were still in existence at that point. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've kind of talked about Schultz a bit. You know, he's he's coming in. Dr. D is being positioned as like the big heel against Hogan, um, you know, and, and he's been promised he's never going to have to worry about money again by Vincent Mann. He's been made all these promises, kind of a callback to the Herb Abrams uh, episode here. Vince McMahon uh, just kind of being that carny promoter. Oh, yeah, you're never going to have to worry about a thing. Um, and then so on the other side of the fence here, we enter John Stossel. Um, who, John Stossel, of course, is working his way up through the entertainment industry. Uh, he's trying to make a name for himself as a big reporter bringing down all these shady companies and industries and things like that and he has set his sights on professional wrestling um and of course john stossel is as he said the only way that he can make this presentable to the you know average audience is he has to find someone to help him expose it because he is another secret to the business right he just he he thinks that it's fake uh, at, at this point, yeah, he was an amateur wrestler, right? So, so now he thinks, okay, well, you know, I'm an amateur wrestler, so, you know, uh, I know that this isn't legitimate, so I'm gonna see what I can do to ruin it. Yeah, and and, and you know, when we talk about John Stossel in this thing, my my whole thing with him throughout this episode is is just like. Why? What What do you have against pro wrestling that makes you want to possibly ruin the lives of everybody in professional wrestling? Like, take away their very livelihood. This is the way they make money. It might not be much money, and there might be crooked promoters and stuff like that. But go after the crooked promoters, but don't, don't sit there and be like, Oh, I just I just don't appreciate people being bullshitted and stuff like that. To me, if people think that the like when people thought that the business was real, I look back at that and go, man, that you know, that should have been like the media should have on pro wrestling have been like, this is the most brilliant thing because, you know, it's fake, but you think it's real. Right. And I mean, the thing is, you know, it, it is an art form and mm -hmm. I wish that it would be embraced as such a thing. And it, it's not people being bullshitted. Um, you know, you don't go to the, you know, the circus and say that people being bullshitted at the circus. Um, you know, you don't go see a magic act and, and say people are being bullshitted, you know. You don't even go to like a rock concert and say people are being bullshitted, you know, concerts and stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, it's like. Like, you know, Kiss, for example. Those guys are playing characters when they perform. They don't walk around like that all day, every day, you know? <laughs> yeah, but, we. I mean, we all could tell that. Right, right. It, <laughs> but, you know, it. John Stossel apparently is, you know, that's being bullshitted to him. And, you know, let's, let's face it. John Stossel, I think, did this episode thinking that he would be vindicated in some way. But really... Stossel just comes across looking like a complete bitch in oh, this yeah. whole episode. I mean, he is just just cringeworthy. I mean, uh, we talked about this before. Like, if I had a choice to be in a room with John Stossel or New Jack, I would much rather hang out with New Jack, even though <laughs> even though I might die. But but John Stossel, like, I'm going to prison for murder if I hang out in a room with John Stossel. <laughs> I know. I know. I was thinking that this whole time. I was Because, like, every segment he spoke, I was just like, I just want to punch this dude in the face so badly. It's a shame that he hates wrestling because he would be such a great, like, heel manager for someone. You yeah. know, just bring his cringeworthy, punchable face out there and just let him talk shit about the other guy. Um <laughs> You know, so, yeah, I mean, so 
this is where you know he does in fact find somebody to help him expose the business in one Eddie Mansfield. Yeah. Yeah, Eddie Mansfield and you know he was uh you know he was so much better, wasn't he? Yeah. So here's the thing about Eddie Mansfield, right? It's like Eddie Mansfield was never, you know, he was a retired ball player. He was used to being treated like gold in the, you know, and he wasn't a great ball player either. But, you know, even the worst, like, you know, like guy in like the MLB is probably treated better than like any mid-tier guy in wrestling, especially on the indies. I mean. Yeah, that, that was my thing. It was like, it was like, Eddie, how do you expect to be treated? Right. I mean, he, you know, so, and he wasn't very good. He was never going to make it in wrestling, as as Cornette confirms. I mean, I've never met anybody that can name a great Eddie Mansfield match. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I do want to note that, um, you know, friends of the show, the, uh, the Tapped Out uh, Wrestling Podcast uh, guys over there, they actually, on their uh, Patreon page, they did do an interview right after this episode with Eddie Mansfield. I saw that. Yeah, so if you want to check that out, uh, definitely go over there. It's a good interview. I watched it. Um, it it's 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 definitely interesting, and I, and I think that he does regret honestly the way that this all played out. Uh, it doesn't come across that way on Dark Side of the Ring. It, on Dark Side of the Ring, it kind of came across as he didn't like the way it turned out, but he also kind of wanted. It's like he still got that chip on his shoulder against the industry. Yeah. You know, he's still trying to make it sound like he did this for the boys, but really it was, you know, okay, well, if I'm not going to make it in wrestling, then I'm going to expose you. Yeah, and and that's so sad because it's like when, when he talks about himself, he's like, he's like, I had this great charisma and I could talk. And I was just like, dude, you can't even talk talking normal. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, this, like his whole interview sounded cringeworthy. And that whole bullshit about, oh, I did this for the boys. And the way that he talks about, you know, people keeping kayfabe, like he says it with, just like how John Stossel says he didn't appreciate people being bullshitted, was the same way Mansfield came across. Like it sounded just, it, it was with such disdain and everything like that. And it was just like, wow, dude, like, you know, and here's here's my thing, okay? Look, we all know that there's a lot of promoters out there that are scum, that are crooked and everything like that. It's hard to tell these days, you know, at times who is and who isn't. But my my thing is, is when people complain about it, I'm sitting there and I just want to like I was yelling at Eddie Mansfield. I just wanted to go then go out and get another fucking job, which is what you ended up doing in the first place. Yeah. Like, like, if you're just that unhappy with things, then go out and get another job that you can make a lot of money, that you will be treated like you think that you should. But you're not going to get treated like a king in professional wrestling unless you are the top guy, which you were never going to be. Yeah, I mean, and, and Eddie Mansfield, you know, he did eventually kind of find his, um, you know, his footing in wrestling, like, years later uh as a producer but i mean as far as like being one of the boys he was forever blackballed by you know completely exposing the the industry as he should have been i mean especially back then i mean you know he was getting death threats he had to be escorted out of the south by the fbi i mean <laughs> the the guy i mean he comes in he exposes the business and i mean i i think he instantly regretted it because i'm sure he came to john stossel saying yeah, you know, I want to expose the way that the workers are being treated in the industry, this and that. And they're, they, you know, knowing John Stossel, he's probably like, yeah, yeah, we'll make it about that. Yeah, but but you got to tell us how the wrestling world works in order for people to get that. And then, of course, like, they just kind of cut out everything that was about that because, I mean, don't get me wrong. The way that... The, performers are treated in the industry i mean the only person that's ever really given a shit about that in the media is john oliver uh and he's talked about it at length uh those are great episodes if you want to check it out where he talks about wwe and vince mcmahon and the way that 
you know, a lot of the, like WWE's performers don't even have health insurance. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I want to point that out real quick because I mean, yes, but here's the difference. John Oliver is still a fan of wrestling. Like he even says it before he goes on with the, you know, report that he does, which I, I love his show. It's one of my favorite shows um, and stuff like that. But, you know, before he goes into it, he goes, now I like wrestling. Like, right. he, like he says it, I love wrestling. I love the characters. I love the stories and everything like that. But then, you know, then he goes on, but there are some things that I don't like about it that need to be fixed. And I agree with his point of views, but the way Stossel did it, as you pointed out, you know, like, and maybe that's what Mansfield did have the intentions of. I can't really tell, uh, to be quite honest with his interview, but when, but, you know, I think the telltale sign was when all Stossel asked him to do was just like, oh, okay, how does this move work? Oh, show us the blade, show us the blade. You know, and even Mansfield was just like, why do you, why does that matter? Like, okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, so I don't want to discredit like the idea that the talent in the, in the world of professional wrestling needs some sort of union or some sort of, you know, set of regulations or something like that. That's not, that's not the point. The point is that this turned out to be not about that at all. And it really just became, it looked vindictive on the part of Eddie Mansfield for his own lack of talent. Uh, and then it also, you know, it, he just kind of fed right into what John Stossel wanted to do, which I'm sure John Stossel thought, Hey, I'm about to bring this whole industry down. I can only imagine what he thought, you know, 10 years later when it was like the hottest thing in existence. <laughs> and the fact that it pretty much like he even says it, it has defined his career and he hates that. Yeah. You can tell that he hates it. And I love it, man. It's like, he says it's like his second most famous interview or whatever with him getting the shit slapped out of him, <laughs> you know? So, so he does this whole thing. Uh, you know, Mansfield exposes the business. He gets all this done and then he wants to go into the the depths of WWF and he wants to talk to uh, some of the wrestlers and kind of get like the other side of the story here, um, which, you know, they said in the <laughs> they said in the episode that he talked to the sheik first. <laughs> I know I was wondering about that. <laughs> like, how did he make it through that? That's what I want to know. I, I want to see that. I mean, I, I'm sure it might be out there somewhere. I don't know. But I want to see that. Um, for sure, I want to see that. That being said, uh, he makes it past the Sheik. And Vince McMahon, in typical Vince McMahon fashion, sets this up knowing it's going to go horribly wrong. He sends David Schultz out to talk to Stossel, knowing that Schultz is the real deal that he's incredibly protective of the wrestling business. And, I mean, hell, even on the Dark Side of the Ring episode, he's hesitant to even give away anything about the business on the Dark Side of the Ring episode. And he's been removed from the business for decades. Yeah, that's how dedicated he was. Right. So he's definitely not going to put up with this guy calling what he does fake. And, of course, now we get to the moment... <laughs> Uh, that that is the slap heard around the world where he slaps the dog shit out of him, and yeah. it was amazing. I've I, I've watched it like ninety times. <laughs> right, it, it it was great because I mean to me it was just like well Stossel you got what you deserved. Right, he said it was fake, and and it's as Cornette said, man, he didn't rear back or anything. I mean, he's just sitting there and he just. Just slaps him. I mean, like, you know, just all nonchalant, just slaps him. And he goes down, man. And he gets right back up. And he's like, all right, well, you want to get back up? And he slaps the shit out of him again. Because you know what? I guarantee you, Schultz would have had the same thing done to him at the old, uh, when he was getting trained. Yeah. Probably worse. Probably. <laughs> you know. And Well, if I could real quick. Here was the thing, too. Stossel makes it seem like he went up to Schultz and was just like, all I asked him was, 
there are people that think that this is fake. Right. And that's not what you said, you lying fuck. You said, <laughs> I think this is fake. Right. And you got you got shown, you know, it it's like we said earlier, Schultz couldn't prove to him that wrestling wasn't fake. He proved to him that he wasn't, though. Yeah. And of course now Stossel is filing a lawsuit and uh now enter Vince McMahon be, being Vince McMahon and basically throwing Schultz under the bus for it, even though he's the one that sent Schultz out to talk to him. Yeah, that was just such a bullshit move. And it's it's classic Vince. You know, Vincent Mann wants to do the edgy thing. He wants to, you know, take the risk and everything like that. But it's like, he has no problem hanging you out to dry over it. And after that moment, after that happened, at this point, Schultz is damaged goods. And so they send him over to Japan for a little while. And the Japanese, of course, like make this a gimmick for him, which I thought was hilarious. I mean, he just beats the shit out of reporters. (laughs) Which they've done that with a shit ton of like wrestlers over there they still do it to this day especially anyone who's like over seven feet right and i mean it's a it's a it's definitely like an interesting concept and i mean honestly i feel like if this happened today i feel like that would have raised his stock in the business um because you know we look at things today i mean unless you like harm or you know seriously harm or kill someone publicity of any kind is generally good publicity and something like this that you know is famous around the world would carry a ton of weight today and i think that uh honestly if this had happened today i think he would maybe face like a 30-day suspension and then he would be even hotter when he came back you know yeah because the wrestling fans would have appreciated it right i mean you know we uh what was it uh titus o'neill at greatest royal rumble where he he trips and falls and slides into the ring i mean that got played all around the world to the point that they even had him do it again on raw like like that was i was worried that was going to be his new gimmick that he trips um you know but uh yeah i mean that was like you know one of these kind of just fluke happenings it's not really the same situation but I mean, a lot of people went from not knowing or caring who the hell Titus O'Neil was to thinking that that clip was one of the most hilarious things out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much how Titus got really, really popular, and especially Corey Graves laughing the whole time from much. Right. Yeah. So, you know, this happens. They send him over to Japan. He's... You know, he comes back and he's like, yeah, all right, you know, I'm ready to come back. WWF is facing a lawsuit over this whole uh, ordeal, Um, you know, and of course, like, you know, there's this whole thing where like WWF's lawyer said he was good to go, uh, you know, basically said that uh, Stossel wasn't injured or whatever. And then on the other side of you have Stossel like milking the whole thing, saying, his ears were ringing every day and it was making it hard for him to parent his daughter and all this other nonsense. Oh, that was, yeah. Like, I'm glad you pointed that out because that was such bullshit. And and like anyone who's ever been in wrestling knows that. Like, I mean, you could have a chop fest on your chest and that shit will be cleared up in like three days, maybe a week top. You know, like, especially depending on how many times you get hit and and everything like that. But that whole bullshit about, oh, yeah, yeah, my ears were ringing. No, they weren't. No, they were not. Like, and he didn't even get slapped in the ears. He got slapped on his face. And he taught, you know, he even says, like, he basically admits that he was the one bullshitting everyone in the in the interview where he's like, you know, it all went away as soon as I got paid. Yeah, yeah, that pissed me off so bad. And this is the same guy who who said in the beginning of his interview, I I just don't appreciate people being bullshitted to. When right. you bullshitted an entire company in a man's life, you jackass. Right. <laughs> As you can tell, I'm such a fan of Stossel. In this <laughs> I don't think anybody's a fan of John Stossel. 
<laughs> but, you know, so we got this whole situation, you know, kind of leading up to WrestleMania 1. You know, one of the biggest heels on the other side of this whole uh, whole thing, the other side of Hogan, is Dr. D. David Schultz. And then so after all this happens, the buildup to WrestleMania 1 is taking place, and Schultz is mysteriously left off of it entirely. This would be like today if you had, you know, your biggest heel going into, like, the Royal Rumble and, like, you know, February, March, and then WrestleMania comes around and they're not even on the card. And that's pretty much what happened here. Um, the buildup kind of started. They were bringing in this whole, you know, um, Paul Orndorff uh, and Roddy Piper versus um, Mr. T and uh, Hogan. And, you know, the celebrity aspect of it, of course, is there. But, I mean, I think that if we had had Schultz in the place of Orndorff, this probably would have been a much bigger and, uh, you know, well-thought-out storyline, especially with the the talent and the promos that Schultz was capable of. Oh, my God. I was just about to say that. Like, can you imagine him and Roddy Roddy Piper together cutting promos like that? It would have been amazing. It would have been incredible. It would have made... It would have made Schultz maybe even bigger than Piper, if you think about it. Because Piper went on to, you know, become a movie star as well from WrestleMania 1 and stuff like that. But imagine if Schultz had been in that. Hollywood would have looked at that guy and went, oh, my God, that's a walking, talking badass right there. Get him in a movie right now. Right. I mean, he could have definitely been like a, a an action star of some kind. I mean, mm-hmm. hell, he pretty much ended up being the real life version of that later on. He, t- you know, where we talk about him becoming a bounty hunter after he got out of wrestling and uh, getting, you know, a lot of notoriety and uh, and whatnot because of that. Uh, and it probably paid a lot better, to be honest. It, it, it might have, and I'm sure we'll talk about that, but. Uh, you know, going back to WrestleMania one, it was even kind of before that, that things really started to go bad for him because there was a lot of stories that have been told about Schultz that say that he was trying to fight Mr. T and say that he, he slapped Mr. T and stuff like that. And he even says in the interview, he's like, I didn't slap him. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't sound like they had, even an altercation of any kind. Uh, It sounded like Schultz was pissed because he was being left off of what was, you know, planned to go down as one of the, as one of the biggest wrestling shows of all time with, you know, when the company had been relying on him to get all this heat against Hogan and, you know, Hogan was his buddy that, you know, brought him up, you know, to WWF. And then he kind of just turned his back on him as soon as it was, you know, profitable for him to do so. Yeah. And and it just, it sucks too, because it would have been fine to still have Mr. T in the main event. But if you had had Mr. T and Hulk Hogan versus Roddy Roddy Piper and David Schultz, there'd have been even more people watching in my opinion, because they would have been like, okay, we know that wrestling is is kind of staged by now, but it's like, or they or they have an idea of it at least. But like when they saw that, they would they would have tuned into that like they would Ollie versus Frazier. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think so, and especially as, as much as they had built the two of them up. But you know, and the amount of clout that Hogan had backstage at the time, I think he definitely could have gone to bat for Schultz, but he just didn't. You know, he he kind of he kind of cut him loose, and I I would be pissed off if I was him too. Yeah, and Hogan even tries to say uh, in a podcast interview, and it was on Stone Cold's uh, podcast. It's not on this, but he tried to say that Schultz tried to attack Mr. T, and it's years later after the fact. It's like, dude, you could have just said no, it, nothing happened. Like Schultz didn't attack him and i'm a piece of shit for not you know sticking by him (laughs) well hogan ain't gonna admit that we we know that for sure yeah (laughs) that that ain't gonna happen um yeah so i mean this whole thing i mean you know the we always talk about dark side of the ring there's always some sort of tragedy uh, at play that you know happens in every single episode and the tragedy here is that we kind of 
both the audience and Schultz are robbed of, you know, him having any kind of prominent career because Vince McMahon blackballed him everywhere. You know, Vince McMahon had more control over the wrestling industry at this point in time than he does today. Far more. Yeah, because I believe Schultz even tells the story that he tried to get booked on some independent dates and they were technically getting a paycheck from Vince at that point. And they said, no, we can't bring you in because Vince threatened to, you know, I, I guess shut them down if they had him on his show. And I'm just sitting there just like, why Vince? Like what? Yeah. Really? I mean, if you look at it today, he, he couldn't do that today. Vince McMahon can't oh. make a phone call to AEW or Ring of Honor or NWA or MLW or any of these places and go, hey, yeah, don't book such and so. You know, he did this or I'm done with you. They're going to they're gonna tell him to fuck off. Exactly. As well they should. Right. But, but back then it was kind of seen, you know, th- this was when he was still doing talent exchanges with different um territories you know saying all right well i'll send andre down there for a few weeks you know you send your star up here blah 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 you know they they still kind of had that notoriety going on and it was an opportunity for the promoters in those territories to make big paydays and they weren't giving that up but i mean today obviously everybody that's under contract you know vince isn't letting them wrestle for anybody you know anymore so he doesn't really have that kind of sway over you know, the different scenes, uh, the only place that he, that they had that kind of control over would have been evolve. And, uh, you know, they recently just bought evolve. Yeah. I saw that. And I mean, they basically owned evolve for years anyway. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why evolve had a network special. Yeah. I mean, it was a failed promotion. I mean, they were going bankrupt before their partnership with WWE existed. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you just kind of imagine, Vince having that kind of partnership with all the major territories at the time, or at least most of them to the point that Schultz being as prominent as he is, couldn't get any work. I mean, this would be like, this would be like if, you know, like Bray Wyatt got, you know, canned by WWE today. Can you imagine how many places would be like itching for him to work there? I mean, he, he would have the next two years booked up in a, in a few days. If you took all those bookings. I mean, hell, look at what AJ Styles did with TNA. I mean, he he walked out on the promotion with their belt and stuff like. I mean, obviously it was more of a storyline, but but you know he walked out on them, like told them, "No, I'm not re-signing with you." And he went and became bigger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Schultz would have had probably a similar path ahead of him had this not happened with Vince, you know, and. It, you know, I don't know if there's something that kind of we don't know about behind the scenes as to why Vince would do this. Right. He could have ended up in NWA or WCW at the time. Right. Absolutely. And he probably would have been a big deal there. But probably. he moves on and he becomes, you know, a bounty hunter, as we talked about. And I mean, this was cool, man. Like, you know, uh, watching that stuff, I kind of got excited about it. I was like, this is kind of like reality TV before it was a thing. You know, kind of like Dog the Bounty Hunter had his kind of heyday. You know, I would yeah. much rather watch Dr. D. David Schultz, you know, as a bounty hunter or whatever. Well, because, again, he's real. Like, he was, like, especially when I saw this then, I was just like, oh, my God, this guy is almost the equivalent to, like, Chuck Norris. Like he he is legit that much of a badass, and it shows. And and if you think about this, you see the success that he had as that bounty hunter. How did WWE, you know, kind of let bygones be bygones and look at that and go, "Oh my God, dude! If we bring him in now, he's the bounty hunter, but it's not a gimmick." It would have been such an amazing gimmick for him, you know. It would have. But, because it would have been real. But, you know, WWE at that point, or WWF rather, was trying to go more into the cartoony kind of, you know, drink your milk, eat your vitamins, say your prayers type uh, nonsense that really continued until the Attitude Era. And then, you know, we kind of see more of them trying to do that today. Maybe not as much today as, you know, five or six years ago, but, you know, the product still, you know, I don't think the product has ever benefited from being watered down in such a way. 
no, absolutely not. I completely agree. But here's the thing, I think, and uh, if you're about to bring this up, I'm about to beat you to it. But um, here's the thing that pisses me off in this episode the most, even more than Stossel and more than Mansfield, is the fact that, you know, Schultz goes and does his bounty hunter thing, and then Hulk Hogan goes on TV and chokes out a reporter. Yeah. Or not, not, even, not even a reporter. He choked out um, a talk show host on live television. Yeah, and faced zero repercussions for it. Well, obviously, because he's Hulk Hogan. And that was even kind of towards the buildup of WrestleMania 1. And then what pissed me off the most was the fact that, you know, Schultz was trying to protect the business and stuff like that. And then guess who's the one that exposes it? Yeah. And I mean, honestly, man, uh, you know, Hogan is like Hogan choked that dude out. Hogan wasn't trying to defend the business. Hogan was literally just like, I mean, you know, he was just trying to show off. Yeah, exactly. And then Vince McMahon himself goes and exposes the business. Yeah, for money. Yeah, to try to get less tax or, you know, to try to get a tax cut, basically, because they were now, because he didn't want them to look at them as sports anymore. He wanted them to look at them as entertainment. In fact, you know, when Ted Turner purchases WCW, the famous line, I'm in the wrestling business. Well, I'm in the entertainment business, pal. And it's right. like, really? And he does it to get around all these regulations and whatnot. Of course. Exactly. But yet, yet he's in the entertainment business, but yet it's still a wrestling show. Right. <laughs> well, um, I think we've just about covered every aspect of this episode, man. You know, what's what was kind of your uh, overall thoughts and your takeaway from this episode? That pretty much the only person that gets royally screwed out of something is Dr. D. David Schultz. He he should he should be talked about still to this day. I mean, they talk about Rowdy Rowdy Piper still to this day with and obviously he should have been in that spot. But if you think about it, Orndorf is an afterthought in that. But had Dr. D. David Schultz been in that position, he'd have been as big as Piper. In fact, they probably would have been a tag team for years to come, and they might have been one of the biggest tag teams of all time, and then that could have led to a matchup against Demolition or the Road Warriors eventually. I mean, can you imagine the money that would have drawn? Like, it, it because they're they he was a legit walking, talking badass. And when you have something like that in wrestling, I mean, good lord, you have to hold on to that as much as you can because you because you definitely don't get it nowadays. And you rarely got it around in the 90s until, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H, you know, The Rock, all of them, you know, they were they were badass. But Dave, um, but David Schultz, you know, he was a legit one. He was real and everything about him, uh, you know, just it screamed charisma. It screamed real and it screamed star as well like i mean he just he he should be one of the biggest names of all time um but unfortunately he's not eddie mansfield is um i'm sad to say a little bitch for what he did um and if he regrets what he does you know did and stuff like that um which i'm sure he does to this day um then you know maybe he can be forgiven but John Stossel, on the other hand, all I have to say is go fuck yourself, man. Like, I just, I hated him from the minute I saw him in this episode. Um, he basically tried to ruin a man's life. And he tried to ruin a whole industry. You know, he tried to have wrestling non-existent. He looked at it as like the smoking industry, basically, the, the tobacco industry which is, is just, just total bullshit, you know, because there are people that make a living doing wrestling and you want to ruin everything just because you think you hate people being bullshitted on, but yet you bullshitted your way into making money off of the WWE kind of thing. And it's right. just, 
So really just what you should get out of this is David Schultz was screwed and you sh and if you have the chance to try to find some of his footage go back and watch it cuz I guarantee you a lot of his matches must be great especially like what's interesting too uh that we kind of forgot to make a note of after that interview that he slaps the reporter he goes and wrestles Antonio Inoki yeah. in the WWE ring I mean good god like that was just kind of an afterthought in this. And I'm sitting there going Antonio Inoki versus D David Schultz. Like, uh, yeah, I want to see that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, you know, there, I, I don't really have to go back over everything. I, I think you, uh, kind of covered it all there, man. I, you know, I agree with everything you said. I, I think Schultz was screwed here. Ultimately, I think we have Vince McMahon being Vince McMahon, just another example of that and another reason that Dark Side of the Ring is probably incredibly hated around WWE uh, for exposing him as he is. And we'll get into that more when we finally get the fortitude to do the Owen Hart episode. Um, but yeah, man, I you know, um, I, I definitely think that uh, that kind of puts the rubber stamp on this episode. It was a great episode. I really enjoyed it. It talked about, you know, it kind of it kind of had all of the the staples of a, a Dark Side of the Ring episode that we kind of talked about. You know, there's a tragedy. There, somebody got screwed over. There's, you know, kind of the reality aspect of it where reality and the world of wrestling clashed. Um, so yeah, I mean, it had all the makings of a great episode. Um, that being said, uh, there is a couple things I want to talk about before we get out of here. Um, speaking of a great episode, um, our friends uh, over at Suplexes and Microphones, um, they recently had um, Chris Wiggins, who has been a guest on this podcast, uh, on. And he talked for about two hours, two, two, two and a half hours, uh, just kind of about his career in wrestling. So I wanted to kind of spotlight that a little bit. Go check out Suplexes and Microphones if you haven't. They've talked to some of the best, um, you know, kind of uh, people in the Southeast indie scene, some of the best talent. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, go definitely check them out if you want some kind of in-depth interviews and uh, kind of looks at the personal and professional lives of some of the talent involved in indie wrestling in the Southeast, if that's of interest to you. Um, that being said, talk, speaking of podcasts, you, as I understand, have a new podcast that you just kicked off. Yes, yes. I believe you are talking about the brand new Power Rangers Go podcast. Yes, I'm not talking about wrestling on something for once. Right. I'm talking about Power Rangers. And um, it is me and one of your favorite people, James, uh, the superhero homie Q, Mr. Quentin Ficklin. And also, since he's already got enough nicknames, uh, there's an episode coming out on episode three. And uh, I've got a new nickname for him. Are you ready for it? Yeah, lay it on me. He is now going to be known as the Ace of the Morphing Grid. Ah, that's just perfect. Since, since of course, one of his monikers is the Ace of Professional Wrestling, and I, I, I on the first episode, which I thoroughly enjoyed, um, you know, uh, we, it, you dropped the the Ace of Everything, and I yeah. really like that. I'm going to start using that when when we bring him back on this show eventually. Uh, I'm d definitely going to mention that um, we are going to have him back on a special announcement. We're going to have him back on and uh, we're going to be covering something that's probably the most requested thing other than the Owen Hart episode for us to cover, which is the uh, Undertaker's Last Ride documentary. Ah, yes. And I love the Undertaker. So that's going to be a, a great one. I mean, I, I, he's one of my favorites of all time. I don't care what anyone says. Well, and, and to this day, I haven't watched a single second of that documentary. And so uh, what I'm going to do, you know, normally with these episodes, I usually watch them and then I'll watch them again right before we do the review. But with this, uh, I'm going to really take my notes and everything uh, from my first impression of it. So I'm going to wait until like right before we're going to do it. And I'm probably just going to binge all the way through it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I want to, I, I want to be fresh to it. I haven't watched any of it. So uh, I'm excited, man. Yeah, I'm excited about that too. But uh, yeah, everyone, check out the Power Rangers Go podcast with me and Ace. And uh, we're talking obviously about everything Power Rangers. We're going through Mighty Morphin to uh, now I think it's uh, Beast Morphers. 
um, is what it's called. Like, like we're just, we're going through it all and um, I'm having a blast doing it. I'm having uh, a fun uh, taking a trip down memory lane with it. And I believe on an upcoming episode, we're going to have a certain someone who's down there at the bottom of your screen, folks, <laughs> on uh, on this podcast to talk about the monumental moment for uh, Power Rangers, which is when, of course, the Green Ranger appears. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to having you on that. And also check me out on uh, SWN, the Stovall Wrestling Network, where I talk about the current news going on in wrestling or just give my thoughts on what's going on. And then, you know, watch a little bit of old wrestling and talk old school wrestling and maybe give you ideas of what you can watch out there. Some people are like, what wrestling event should I check out? Well, I'll tell you on Stovall Wrestling Network, and uh, it's a lot of fun. So check out both of those podcasts. Uh, We're growing every day, man. Yeah, and I mean, right now, with so many people, ourselves included, that really can't deal with the crowdless wrestling, there's no better time to go back through the archives and, and check out some of the things you might have missed. Um, so, yeah, definitely check out SWN. Um, you can you can check myself out uh, on uh, Entertainment Evolved on Facebook or on YouTube. Uh, yeah, man, so as always, Caleb, thank you for joining us, uh, and... Um, you know, we will be back uh, pretty soon to do, uh, as I said, uh, the Owen Hart uh, episode, Dark Side of the Ring. That's I think that's the only other one we're probably going to do uh, for right now. Uh, check out our Season 3 predictions episode, which will be up by the time this airs. And uh, and, and Last Ride. So, uh, yeah, thanks, everybody. This has been an Evolved Review. <laughs>